This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. And Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being the catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more information about this and more on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. My grandfather was Willard Collins. He was well respected among those in the message, and almost everyone in the religion from around the world knew of my grandfather, either from hearing his name on William Branham's recorded sermons, or from their pilgrimage to see the Branham Tabernacle in Jeffersonville, Indiana, where he led the church for over 50 years. Grandpa knew the Branham family intimately, and often spoke about his experiences during his Sunday school speeches. There were also many things he knew about the Branham family that he could not say. Though he led the church, the Branham family still had much control over its finances and its direction. It wasn't until his resignation that Grandpa spoke against what he considered to be criminal activity, and even then he guarded himself not to speak of the darker side of what he knew. He limited it to simply stating his belief that the intent was to attract the children because, and I quote, if you get to the young people, eventually you get to the parents, and if you get to the parents, eventually you get their money. Grandpa, the Reverend Willard Collins was born in 1926 in Glens Fork, Kentucky. He attended the Glens Fork school system until his junior year of high school, at which time he transferred to the Knifley school system after the Glens Fork school was closed. He loved sports and played basketball for the Knifley school system's basketball team. In 1945, Grandpa married my grandmother, Naomi Eastridge, at the Methodist Parsonage in Cane Valley, Adair County, Kentucky. His father-in-law, Reverend Eastridge, was a Methodist minister and performed the ceremony at his house. After being married, the newlywed couple lived with his mother and father at their farm until they could afford to purchase Grandpa's first farm in Glensfork. Five years later, Grandpa was ordained into the Methodist Church. He sold the farm and moved to Columbia, Adair County, Kentucky, to start the Mission Church in Columbia. There, Grandpa preached the gospel from behind the pulpit of a small church on the local radio and on the road. By the time he started his ministry as an evangelist, Grandpa and Grandma had a musical family. As they traveled from county to county holding tent revivals and preaching, his family would sing hymns to tunes on an accordion and a steel guitar. 
During this time, Grandpa came in contact with the Reverend Tom Meredith and Estel Beeler, who had a faith healing ministry. It was through these men that Grandpa first learned of faith healer William Marion Branham from Jeffersonville, Indiana, and was eventually recruited into Branham's message cult following. After accepting a position as pastor of the Methodist Church in Mansville, Kentucky, the Methodist Church asked Grandpa to attend a pastoral school in Macon, Georgia. During his time there, Grandpa attended a healing revival held by Branham. Shortly after, in 1955, he dropped out of the Methodist school and moved to Charlestown, Indiana to take the position of associate pastor at Branham's church, the Branham Tabernacle, in nearby Jeffersonville, Indiana. This position was created to assist Reverend Orman Neville, who was a part-time assistant pastor at Branham's church. Reverend Neville split his time between the Branham Tabernacle and his Neville Tabernacle, he planted in 1950 in Henryville, Indiana. With Branham's continual absence during his faith healing meetings, it was evident that Reverend Neville performed the duties as pastor, while Grandpa performed the duties of assistant pastor. By 1958, Grandpa's position in the Branham Tabernacle was made official by William Branham, when it was announced that he served both as deacon and assistant to Brother Neville. Over the next few years, Grandpa became very close with William Branham. Not only did they spend a lot of time together in the ministry, they spent many hours together as personal friends. The children of both men became close childhood friends, and those relationships would continue to grow and strengthen for the remainder of their lives. Eventually, William Branham would issue his prophetic blessing to Grandpa. All your children and your grandchildren shall be saved. In 1963, Grandpa's youngest son, my father, was diagnosed with rheumatic fever, an inflammatory disease resulting from inadequately treated strep throat or scarlet fever. Under doctor's orders, Dad was placed on bed rest. Grandpa telephoned the faith healer to heal Dad, and Dad was healed. Though the disease can cause damage to the heart, death only occurs from rheumatic fever in rare cases. Most recover, developing other health problems. Branham convinced Grandpa that his son was dying, however, and Dad's recovery was a testimony that Grandpa would tell others as an example of Branham's healing power. In 1964, a year after William Branham migrated his family to Tucson, Arizona, Grandpa and his family also migrated to Tucson. There he assumed the position as chairman of the deacon board in Branham's church in Tucson, while he and his family lived in a house trailer. It wasn't until 1968, three years after Branham's death, that Grandpa finally purchased a home in Tucson to settle into. Their time in the home was short, however. A year later, after inheriting a dairy farm in his hometown of Glensport, Kentucky, Grandpa sold his Tucson home and migrated back to Kentucky. In 1969, Grandpa accepted the position of head pastor of the Branham Tabernacle. Still living in Glensport, Kentucky, the family made the two-and-a-half-hour trip to spend all day Sunday and Wednesday evenings with the people of the Branham Tabernacle Church. Eventually, they sold yet another farm in Kentucky to migrate back to the Jeffersonville area. 
In the years that followed, Grandpa's position began to transition from minister to proxy from a voice from the grave. William Branham's sermons, recorded from 1947 to 1965, were becoming the authoritative voice for the cult following. After Branham's death in 1965, the central figure for the cult slowly transitioned from Branham's person to Branham's voice. Under suggestive labels such as the spoken word or the voice of God, members of Branham's cult following began to refer to the statements recorded by Branham as the authority in doctrine and scripture. Over time, the cult required the written word, they called the Christian Bible, to be interpreted only through the spoken word, Branham's recordings. Grandpa's leadership of the Branham Tabernacle included a combination of sermons he preached and pre-recorded sermons of William Branham. Over time, however, many members and visitors to the Branham Tabernacle began objecting to his preaching from the Christian Bible. On many occasions, members and visitors of the church would leave their seats and exit the building when he chose to preach instead of listening to a recording of William Branham. This eventually caused a division in the church between those of the tape crowd and those of the preaching crowd. As time went on, the tape crowd outnumbered those who wanted to hear preaching from the Christian Bible. Though he fought against this ideology, this was a battle he would not win. Eventually, he gave up, choosing to play recordings from magnetic tapes every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, and revival meetings. The preacher's voice had been silenced. As time continued, with his voice muted, Grandpa began to lose control of the church. Many viewed him as nothing more than a figurehead, in a position only necessary for ceremonial purposes. The sermons, now coming only from the dead voice of William Branham, some began claiming that the deceased Branham was their pastor and refused to accept Grandpa as holding that position. A large number of people started paying tithes and offerings to the cult headquarters rather than the church, and funds used to help the needy began decreasing. This was disheartening to Grandpa, whose passion was for helping the poor in his church. Rather than ignore the needy, Grandpa often helped the poor with money he earned through farming and cattle, even helping those who refused to donate to the church. By 2015, the situation had grown out of control. Deacons in the Branham Tabernacle recognized the financial problems in the church, and they began investigating. To their surprise, they found evidence they claimed to be criminal. According to their testimonies, when they resigned, William Branham's sons had been allegedly stealing from the church, and cult headquarters appeared to be stealing and stockpiling money. Tax records revealed $100 million in assets, and a second legal entity was created for the sole purpose of moving money. Homes, not owned by Grandpa, were claimed as parsonages, allegedly to avoid paying income tax and a large portion of the property underneath the Branham Tabernacle was deeded away from the church to one of William Branham's sons. Comparing the expenses to the money collected, a large discrepancy was found. Deacons publicly demanded to know where the money went. In October of 2015, Grandpa resigned from his position as pastor of the Branham Tabernacle. Along with him 
the entire staff of deacons. From late 2015 through 2017, Grandpa pastored a message cult church in New Albany, Indiana. Until the day of his death, Grandpa believed that William Branham would resurrect from his grave to fulfill prophecies that did not come to pass in his lifetime. Grandpa was a supporter of Branham's tent vision. Branham's claim that he would give the Chosen Ones their new bodies while holding one last healing campaign. Though Branham's tent prophecy was an unpopular subject for many ministers in the message cult, Grandpa would often refer to it in his sermons. He would also refer to a vision in which he and his wife would be standing in their motorhome when William Branham returned for them. Sadly, both men went to their graves without closure to these unfulfilled prophecies. Grandpa died of cancer, one of the primary diseases William Branham's divine healing cult claimed to cure. The following is his resignation and farewell speech. To the trustees of the Branham Tabernacle, August the 5th, 2015, since very little was resolved in the recent board meeting, we have determined that the trustees must do their duty concerning the restoring of the tabernacle to the people as it is stated in 1953 deed. It is not for the pastor to go to anyone and ask that the tabernacle be returned he has nothing to do with giving it away. The proper was signed away by one trustee, and he is responsible for the return and said property. Therefore, once again, demand that the trustee responsible for this error return the property to the rightful owners. This is the property of the people it is not the property of one or two men. Brother Branham deeded Brother Branham Tabern the Branham Tabernacle to the people because he wanted to be that way. This must be taken care of immediately. I hate this time has come that I must do this. I wish to retire as pastor of the Branham Tabernacle as of this date, Sunday, August 30th, 15, I have labored so hard for this message, and I am 89 years old and have tried so hard to keep it on the Word, but it looks like it is falling apart. It is the only thing I know to do. Therefore, I'll pray for you folks and be sure and pray for me I won't be having any more funerals or weddings. We know one thing. We've had the greatest bunch of men I've ever seen together to hold this message as best they knew how. I believe that. And I believe there's some trying times ahead. I believe that it won't be long till we'll look back and say, wasn't those precious times? Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh -huh. Wasn't they great? 
we enjoyed the blessings of the Lord coming among us. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you one thing. The Lord knows. Amen. And it had better be kept straight now. We're too close to home to mess it up. We'd better look to him to help us Amen. at this hour. He's our only help, but he is a great help. Amen. And I appreciate being able to be with you folks for almost 46 years now as a pastor of the Tabernacle. I worked with Brother Branham, watched him, watched how he maneuvered, how he handled things. I've been with him a lot. And I saw how that he meet a stranger. He didn't jump on him with all four feet and tell him how he's going to hell if he don't straighten up. You know, some people have that idea. I'll tell you what he would do. He'd talk to that fellow about fishing, about hunting, all just anything the man wanted to talk about. And sometimes he would never mention the church, the Bible, or nothing. Other times he would. If he found the place where he thought there was hope of reaching the man, he would stay with it. Otherwise, he'd let it drop. Because, after all, there's only so many. And he knew who would and he would not. He had the answer. He could tell you what you had for breakfast three weeks ago if you wanted to. I'll tell you, he was, he was God tabernacled in the flesh. Nothing short of it. And he had all the answers, just like they should be to help the people. He come to help the people, not to hurt them. He didn't want to hurt nobody. He wanted to help everybody. And I've been so honored to be with him since 1955. I feel like that it's really strengthened me in the things of the Lord. And I thank him for that. And I thank you for putting up with me all this time. You've been very gallant, and I appreciate it. Some of you stayed away from church. Let me tell you something he told me. I was resigning a long time ago. I was tired and weary and when I'd get up to speak, people would get up and march out. That makes a preacher feel bad. I don't care who he is. True. It's true. And uh, then I'd meet them outside and put out my hand and shake hands with them. They'd just turn their back and walk away. Then they started leaving the church one by one. Well, I thought maybe if I resigned, they'd come back. I wasn't blaming them. 
and I had my resignation written out. He called me one Saturday from Tucson, Arizona. He said, Brother Collins, I was up in the mountains praying today and the angel of the Lord told me to call you. What's the matter? I said, I guess everything's all right, Brother Brandon. He said, no, no, that, that's not it. He said, there's a problem and you tell me what it is. I said, well, I was resigning tomorrow. I told him why. He said, don't you do that. He said, I can tell you the reason why they went out from us. I didn't know what to expect then. I said, what, Brother Branham? He said, because they weren't of us. Now, that shook me. They weren't of us. And I believe that true believers will hold to nothing but the word of the Lord Amen. that come to this day. Amen. This is the greatest day in history. Yes. It's a lovely time. And I trust that God blesses every one of you supremely from now on. I don't know what I'm going to do now, but I felt like it was time to do something because I worked under the Methodist Church for a long time, and it wasn't easy. And I went through some things very similar to what I see going on. I'm going to tell you one thing they promoted, and that was get the young people, get the young people, get the young people, whatever you have to do to get them. And I found what their theory was. If you get the young people, eventually you'll get the parents. And if you get the parents, eventually you'll get their money. I find nearly everything is based on money value. You can't base this on money value. Amen. This is the word of the Lord Amen. that he has so generously given to us. And the Lord helping me, I'll stay with it the longest day I live, which won't be too long now. You know, I'll soon be 90 years old. It won't be too long, but I want to give him everything I've got. However, I have to do it. I love the Lord. Amen. And ever since I went to that meeting in Macon, Georgia, I've understood more about the Lord than I ever knew was possible to know. And I've watched, and I see what's taking place. If you'll watch your types, you'll see it too. But God bless you and be with you is our prayer.